Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and ask us. The greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer Incorporated, a not-for-profit charity set up in 2012 by myself, Dr. Joe Williams. If you want to know any more information about Prost, including our online service now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. So stop for a second and listen. Hello Penis Project podcasters, you asked for it so we're giving it to you. Way back in episode 2, September 2020, we spoke to David Hiscock and many of you have asked how he is going. So today we're going to hear his journey from then till now. This is a story of resilience and fortitude. We hope you all enjoy it and are happy to finally find out how David's going. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye. So, hello, David. We've got you back at popular demand because all of – I was just saying to you before we were recording this that um, I've had so many patients ask me, how has that David man gone from episode two? I want to find out how he's going. So, we spoke to you five months ago and it was much earlier in your journey at the time and you just started radiation and hormone-lowering therapy and the side effects hadn't kicked in. So, five months later, tell us how you're feeling and what's happened. Wow. Um, it's been a roller coaster five months, I can say that. Um, I've, the, the radiation therapy really, uh, took its toll on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I felt, I felt smashed after, I mean, like physically smashed. Uh, probably I've put on weight, put the hormone, I think the hormone treatment has done that, up almost 10 kilos. Um, so I found that I started to hate my body image. Yeah, that's sad. The, uh, op- the scars from the operation as well as the side effects from the hormone and radiotherapy started to take a bit of a toll on my mental health as well. Sure. And so what have you done about that? Have you, done, have you seen anyone specifically or changed anything? Yes. Um, Almost immediately after I finished my radiation therapy, I went away on uh, the uh, WA Veterans Over 50s cricket team. We had a carnival down in Bunbury. And um, I I see a counsellor on a regular basis as well. So I really try and adopt the sort of the ABC of uh, mental health. and I, and I think that that's really helped me. My cricket club has been fantastic as well uh, and, the, and the getting around 
you know, the, the club and, and the guys I used to hang out with many years ago have, have really helped Rallied. me through yep. my journey. So what's the ABC? What's the ABC? Yeah. Hmm. What's the ABC of mental Act, health? Belong and commit. And you hear that on the TV. There's there's ad, ads for that. And, and I, you know, I, I didn't consciously say, okay, I need to, you know, act, belong, commit. I just... I sort of knew what I, I needed to do to to help me get through sure. uh, a difficult time. So, uh, and I I thought I need to do the things I love doing. Uh, and and in fact, it's taken me now to a point by uh, you know reassociating myself with the things I love doing. I'm, I'm currently now coaching Year Seven and Eight boys at Wesley College and. They asked me to come and help out, and I'm absolutely enjoying that three afternoons a week. So uh, it's uh, had some really positive spin-offs for me as well. Mm-hmm. And teaching the, the young kids, have they uh, asked you about your health, or has that been discussed in, in the opportunity to talk about sort of mental health or any any sort of men's health thing with the younger boys? Has that been anything that's been broached? No, not not specifically. I I think that one or two of the uh, the teachers there and the, the the head of school they understand what I've been going through for the last fourteen months. Um, so, but no, not specifically with the boys. No. Yeah, they're probably a little young, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So with your treatment, so up in, so you had the surgery originally, which is when we spoke to you last time, and you were just about to start the radiation. Was the side effects like you expected, or different, worse, better? The so post the operation, I felt uh, I continued my normal routine. So I was going to the gym most days, and uh, and I was working well on the, the side effects of the operation, especially with my incontinence and, uh, and and I felt like I was really progressing. And you were. You were making really, really good progress. You were almost dry, actually. It was not too far off, um, not not long after we last caught up. Yeah. Mm. No, I remember a session that we had, Joe, where you mentioned I was approximately three months ahead of where, you know, typically Absolutely. someone would be. Uh, in my condition, so I was feeling, you know, really, really positive about things, and uh, uh, and then uh, probably around about four weeks into the uh, radiotherapy, I started to slide. I, I struggled uh, physically, so I went to the gym almost every morning before I went for my treatment. And every day that I went, it just got it got harder and harder. But I, uh, I sort of willed myself to continue to go, and I I didn't give that away, um, and until basically I started playing cricket, which was my outlet for um, physical exercise. After that, I haven't been back to the gym for someone who was not so much a gym junkie, but I would go five or six times a week for the last. I've been nearly ten years. Now I haven't. I've been to the gym once, actually, in uh, nearly four months. And why? Why have you chosen to step away from the gym? I've been really busy. I've been busy with work. My uh, my my own little um, sort of 
contracting and consulting business on the side. I do work in the mornings uh, and, and some of that is physical work. And, um, and now I'm doing a little bit, a bit of the coaching as well, as well as playing cricket, going cricket training twice a week and playing uh, all day on Saturdays and sometimes on Sundays with the over 50s uh, veterans cricket. So sometimes, you know, I, my, I felt that um, also my body needed to uh, rest somewhat something I've not been great at is actually rest. I, you know, I'd get a, a real fail in that uh, in that <laughs> box. Yeah, we, we understand that, don't we, Joe? Oh, we do, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the, was, do you think, so actually going to the radiation each day, was that like taxing just from a point of view of that you had to be somewhere? Because you've had quite a number of sessions. How many sessions have you had? I actually can't remember the number. It was over 40. Wow. Um, and that was done... In approximately about a sixty-day, about a sixty-day period, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? After a while, it be just became routine and uh, almost something to look forward to. It was yeah. in a really bizarre way. Yeah. Okay. It like a purpose in your day, almost to help with your yeah, survivorship. Yeah, and you know, I had my routine. I'd get up. I'd go to the gym, uh, and then. Yeah, head off to the um, the clinic. The other thing was that the staff at the clinic were amazing. Mm. They were just, they almost felt like they became my family after a while. Oh, how and wonderful. There's actually a couple of the uh, clinicians there that um, I've seen post my treatment as well. And, um, yeah, they, they still keep in touch to see how I'm going. And, um, uh, yeah, so... It, they 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 really looked after me and, and no doubt they they look after uh, uh, all their patients like myself so um, so I was super impressed by their level of professionalism uh, their empathy and just the way that they they treated their patients. So your side effects like so Joe was saying before that you almost were dry by the time that you started radiation and so then what how did that change over the course of the radiation? So the the incontinence came back. You said you started to slide about four weeks into the treatment. Yeah, that's about right. It just it started to gradually um, you know get get worse, and towards the end there, um, it wasn't just the incontinence; it was um, uh, lack of control over my bowel movement as well. So that that actually scared me more than the. Uh, the incontinence, at least with the incontinence, so I could manage that with, you know, with the pads and, uh, and, and the way that I've been managing post the operation. But the bowel, uh, the, the issues with the bowel was, was uh, yeah, something where all of a sudden, no matter where I went, I was always looking to see whether there was a toilet nearby um, so that also now became front of mind was like, okay, where is there a toilet mm. just in case I get caught here and I have no control over my bowel movement. And I had probably two or three episodes where I had no control over my bowel. So and, we, uh, we call that faecal incontinence. And was it just like a small seepage or was it like a full bowel movement that you lost? Both. Okay. Can you come a bit closer? <laughs> And 
was that something that you'd been warned about that might happen or was that a complete shock? No, it was something I'd read that, that could happen and I spoke to my specialist about it as well and uh, um, they uh, he put me on some um, uh, suppositories to, to help that. But, um, yeah, even to today I still have... Um, those sorts of uh, those sorts of, the 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 incontinence in in that space is not as bad as it was. But a couple of weeks back, uh, I had a couple of episodes that were pretty close, and uh, so it's not as bad as it was, say maybe four or five weeks ago. But it's still um, that's still an issue that I'm trying to work through as well. And so, God, I mean, from your body image point of view that you talked about before, that must have been a a double blow you know like you've put on weight you're not as fit as you were you feel tired and then that on top of it like how did you deal with that um look i've, I've been very fortunate my family's been amazing and, and and got around me and supported me uh and yeah i just have to steel myself sometimes to you know i'll give myself a bit of a slap just to say you know like well you know, there are people far worse off in the world than me and and uh, uh, so and and that I'll get through this. It's a period of time that, yeah, I, I'll get through it. So it's um, but but it's been difficult and it's really it's really played with my mental health. That's the, the area that I've felt, you know, like the black dog has almost nipped me on the backside a couple of times. I've really, really got uh, got depressed a couple of times so uh, but just sort of uh, managed to you know keep myself busy keep talking and and you know doing what I need to do to keep uh, you know to keep on top of it all have you opened up to your friends at like at the cricket club about that like emotion how you're feeling emotionally or has it mainly been about the physical problems uh so I've been really fortunate that uh, one of my good friends, and uh, I won't I won't name him, but I think uh, you might know who I'm talking about. But we've played cricket together for many years, and uh, uh, in fact, he when he found out I had prostate cancer, he was one of my uh, one of the first people to actually call me and see how I was going, and I hadn't heard from him for uh, probably a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And he really reached out because he had been or is still going on a similar journey to myself. So, and in fact, I just caught up with him last Sunday at a, at one of the uh, Saturday, sorry, cricket matches. And um, yeah, he, he really he asks those hard questions, and I really appreciate the emotional, that. supportive, inquiring yeah, questions. Absolutely, and uh, and I and I yeah, and I, I was happily you know to 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 tell him and. And also, there's been one or two other people at the club there who've also really uh, supported me and, and 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 wanted to talk to me as well, and allowed me the space and time to talk to them. So that's really helped. It's it's been something that's new for me to have other men reach out. Mm. So that's been uh, yeah a new experience. So it's great, isn't it? Because I think it's something that we, you know, kind of think that men don't talk, speak emotionally to each other, don't we? So isn't it fantastic that you've had these men approach you and so 
you'd give that advice to guys, ask your mates, like genuinely, how are you going and make the time to listen to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I've done since my own journey, even early on in that, that time, and, and, and I was quite vocal, as you know, early on with respect to my treatment and, and the impact that COVID had on that, but every time I get an opportunity to talk to young men, older men, doesn't matter. Um, I talk to them about their pelvic floors. I talk to them about the journey I'm going on and to make sure that they, you know, go and get a checkup, go and see their GP, read up on it. And I just give them the statistics. And once I start giving them the statistics, I see that their mind starts to tick over. They think, oh, I could be in that 98% of men. You know, mm. I could be in that... And the chances are you will be. So so once I start talking to them about the statistics and then share a little bit of the journey I've been on, I, I certainly see that the, the light bulb goes on in many men. And, and I, as I say to them, look, I say, even if there's just one thing that I've said that resonates with you, just, you know, please do something about it. So I, I talk, when I talk about young men, I talk about, you know, with my sons, their mates, um, people around the cricket club. And how do you teach them the pelvic floor? <laughs> Nuts to the guts. Oh, I was so happy you said that, David. <laughs> and I've just got one little tip. Uh, for those who have radiation therapy, then it is actually really worthwhile squeezing that back sphincter as well, the rectal sphincter. So you can squeeze the nuts to the guts by squeezing the front passage, lifting the nuts to the guts and then adding the back passage in as well. So that's easily strengthened by just having a little bit more focus there. Now, I've just got a question. You have had your 40 sessions of radiation therapy and then in addition you had hormone therapy, the ADT, so androgen deprivation therapy. How, how much treatment have you had with that? How does, how does that all sort of work out? Well, I had a six-monthly shot. That was, uh, I remember the day, it was on the 28th of August last year. It was the day my daughter moved into her house. So, um, in fact, the Allegard nurse came to the house while I was helping her move in oh. and gave me the, uh, the injection there. That's... Uh, Physically, other than the incontinence, it's probably been the toughest thing. The the night sweats uh, and I say night sweats, day sweats, sweats. So the other night, I think I had the worst night that I've had in the eight months I've been on it. So just what perspiring all night, all night, all night, and uh, so subsequently lack of sleep. So there's sleep deprivation as well as the physical uh, side effects of the, the hormone therapy. The tops of all my teeth are all chalky. So mm. the radiation, as I understand it, finds some extremities of your body to... Mm. Uh, Target. Yeah. So the tops of all of my teeth inside feel like chalk. Mm. Um, I'm starting to lose my body hair. So I had I was had a fair bit of body hair, and on my yeah my chest and stomach, most of that is gone. 
I've just noticed recently I've started to lose. I always had hairy legs. And then that, that's now starting to... Down uh, on your lower legs and your calves. Yes, that's, that's going. Um, have to start riding a bike. Yeah, well, someone else said that to me the <laughs> other day as well. Um, but so they have been some of the side effects. But the, yeah, the hot flushes, some of them are, they burn. I mean... It's uh, like a whole body burn? It's, it's really weird. It, it, it's like it comes from the inside out and it burns. It tingles, it burns. I know... Uh, I was out last night and uh, there were a few menopausal women around me yeah. and they uh, you know, they didn't give me too much empathy because some of them have been going, going through what I'm going through for five and six years. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, they they understood that, that, that feeling that... Uh, so have you, you been get. offered any medication for that? I've been taking, I think it's called en- Enlafax. Yep. I've been taking that now for about three months. It's like an antidepressant as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it should be helping. Is it helping it with it the hot is, flushes? It is helping a little bit. Yep. I notice towards the end of the day, around yeah, around about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. I think it'll be venlafaxine. Is that it? Something like yep. that. that yeah. should, it's an SSRI. An SSRI is quite, quite effective at helping with reducing the hot flushes. They're not perfect, but yep. they definitely help. Yeah, so once I, I take that just before I go to bed, and it seems to – I still get up probably three times in the night. So the, the, what happens is that when I get the, the, the hot sweat, the hot flush, I kick off all the blankets and sheets and whatever anyway and I make sure I've always got a fan there. But it triggers me to have to go to the toilet as well. Yeah, so you get interrupted sleep and more sleep yep. deprivation, three waking – Yep. And so I almost have to, yeah, I've, I've got to go to the toilet. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know why that does it, but it, it actually almost like it, it triggers it. It's like a, a, like a trigger. So what now? How many more of those Elligard injections are you having to have? How long is that going on for? Well, they, my oncologist has said not to have another one because mm-hmm. he said that even the six-monthly one that you've had can last up to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And right, so, I'm so you've only had one. One, yep. and mm-hmm. I'm eight months into it and still getting the side effects, uh, yeah, every day. And, and yeah. So there was no additional oral tablets just for the ADT, just just the one injection? Yep, just yeah. the one injection and that's, uh, yeah, that's certainly... Um, powerful stuff. Yes, <laughs> very powerful. So... What now? No more radiation now. And have you had a PSA recently? Uh, I had a, a blood test about four weeks ago. And I'm happy to say that my reading was 0.02 or something. So yep, it was great. almost negligible. Yeah, so fantastic. I was, I was pretty happy to receive that news that um, the, the PSA levels were so low. However, I insisted that I have a uh, PSMA PET scan. Good. Only that um, – and, and I was really open up front with, with my oncologist. This is like – he said, you don't need that. And I said, I want it. I want it for my own peace of mind. Mm-hmm. I, I wished that 12, 14 months ago that I'd had some scans uh, pre my operation. Mm-hmm. They weren't offered to me, and I wasn't. I was in a space then when where this was all new, and, and you I, were unaware probably. It I was, was unaware of, you know. But I, I really had, because I, I may have made a different decision on 
the type of treatment I'd gone through, I, I may well have chosen to go radiation therapy first mm -hmm. rather than operation. Mm -hmm. So may, may not, I don't know, but I, I just felt like it's like anything. Uh, you need all the data to make a good decision. I don't believe I had all the, all the data to make a good decision and... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I'm I'm very much like that. I like to let the data speak. If it, you know, if it, it if it's there in front of me, it 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 tells me something, and and it gives me the information I need to make a better decision, yeah, or a different decision. Um, and uh, I just felt that I didn't have all of the information. So, and, and my oncologist was very supportive. He says absolutely. He says I I understand. I, I want to make sure that. You know that there's nothing left in my hip bone. There's nothing left in my lymph node, and the prostate bed. Yeah, and have you had the opportunity to have the results of that yet? No, I actually I'm having that scan this Thursday on the twenty mm. fifth. So okay. hopefully, say a week after, I'll see my oncologist and 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 really looking forward to some good news in that space. Yeah. And so, have you seen got any professional help, like from a psychologist or anything like that, or read any books or anything over the time about the the black dog and prostate cancer? Yeah, I, look, I uh, I'm not a big reader, but I do I, I, I sort of skim over stuff. Mm -hmm. But I I'm seeing a um, I'm seeing a counsellor on a regular basis. So I've actually got a session this Wednesday afternoon, and. That's through Anglicare. And, and that, that's helped. That's been fantastic. It's it's just a space, uh, again, for me to, you know, to, to pour my heart out sometimes. And, and so I, I, I enjoy, I actually enjoy going to those sessions. I sometimes feel drained afterwards, but I almost feel purged as well. I feel like... You're moving through issues and yeah. expressing them, letting them go. Yep. And you've got an, an ear that's sort of... Objective. Absolutely. And so would you ever, before you had a prostate cancer diagnosis, did you ever imagine you were someone who might see a psychologist or a counsellor? Yes, I've, I've seen them before. Oh, so, great. Um, okay, good. Yeah, Yeah, I've never had, uh, never had any problem in that space. I, mm -hmm. I encourage it. I've even uh, through my uh, former employer, mm -hmm. those... Uh, you know, EAA, EA systems, employee assistance systems were, were in place and I took advantage of them if mm. there were times where uh, things weren't going well for me or whatever and I wanted to talk to someone, you know, impartial or, yeah. or, or, or you know, not connected with with what I'm doing and where I'm working any way, shape or form. Um, it was good just to go and talk to somebody. I remember once you told me an analogy you used to cope because it really struck me. I've used it a few times since, which was that sometimes you feel like you're in a corridor and there's a whole pile of doors and the doors, uh, you usually can shut them all. And then since you got prostate cancer, it felt like you opened the door and everything was in the one corridor. And you had to put them all back behind the doors. I remember thinking that was a fantastic analogy, a great way to, to think about your issues and deal with them. Are, are you still using that? I am actually. Uh, there's not such a party going on in the corridor at the moment. <laughs> That's good. But um, it's uh, there's there's still a bit going on in there. But I'm 
it's almost like I'm dealing with each one of those in a different way and just able to just just gently close the door on it or keep it ajar, uh, not not so afraid to slam the door shut on it. Yeah. And it's almost like I'm, I'm actually happy that they're, they're all unlocked now. So mm. those, those things that come in and out of my mind, I feel like I've got some strategies in place to deal with them. Each time they come in, yep. I can deal with that. And so there's still a bit going on there, but it's uh, I'm, I'm probably mentally in a better space than I was, say, maybe three or four months ago. Yeah, I just uh, it really struck a chord with me, that analogy, because I use up something similar where if I am worrying about things, I think about putting them in a bubble, like, a you know, if you blow... A, detergent Ah, and you get bubbles I think about I'll put that issue in the bubble and I'll let the bubble float around while I deal with something else and when I'm ready for it I'll pop it it again yeah it's sort of and the the door analogy I thought was excellent I loved that so I think that's something other people could use and one's kind of very feminine yeah it is yeah just just the way you both explain that there (laughs) yeah it's great (laughs) so where to now David well where to now that's a, a great question um I've had a fair bit going on in my private life so I'm I'm dealing with that and working working through those uh, those issues. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting into a space where I can start to build a future Great. for myself and, yeah, looking forward to, to that. I, I mean, I still have doubts and there's still... I still have some negative thoughts, but on the whole, I'm positive about the future and where I'm going. And I know that something like this will require some constant monitoring. Mm-hmm. And I still got, I've still got a lot of work to do with my uh, incontinence. That's a space that I, I've really got to work on, and also on the sexual side of things. I mean, that was something I didn't talk about before, but that's um, it's it's non-existent for me at the moment. That's your libido. Yeah, yeah, and that's very normal. You know, very very normal for someone on hormone therapy. And as the time goes on and the hormone therapy wears off, things will start to feel a bit more normal in that space. And also, this is um, I'm not sure if I've told you this before, David, but something I always say to men who are on hormone therapy: it's a bit. It might be the first time they understand how a menopausal woman feels. I've got a mentor who taught me this analogy which I love which he thinks of um, your libido lights and so the red light is I definitely don't feel like having sex today the amber light is I can't really be bothered but if someone else initiated it I might get into it and the green light is yep let's do it how about it and a menopausal woman or a guy on hormones is never going to see a green light so you kind of got to make the most of the orange light because the more you do it, the more you'll feel like it. Because often it's the red light. Yeah, uh-huh. it's the red light. So whenever you get that little glimmer of an amber light where you think, yeah, I can't really be bothered, but once I start it, I might get into it, you got to do it. And then on top of that, it's a bit like eating chocolate. The more you eat it, the more you want it. So you kind of just have to push through a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and just on that, did you get much discussion around the impacts that the treatment might have on you, the subsequent treatment? on the sexual function, the hormone therapies, was that, and the radiation, was that a conversation that came up, do you recall? With? Prior to that, so we know you have the surgical procedure and you have attempting the nerve sparing, but just in the context of 
the extra treatment that you needed. Do you remember if the, the sexual function was ever discussed? Yeah, that uh, that was certainly discussed with um, both my surgeon and the oncologist afterwards. So that was something that was was discussed, and the the literature's there, and and uh, and that's certainly something that we've. All discussed as well. So, is that what you expected? Did you expect to feel as low libido as you do with the uh, Elagard? Um, to be honest, no. F- for mm. someone who was highly sexually active, mm. to it was from hero to zero. Basically, <laughs> it was <laughs> absolutely. It was. It was like somebody did literally turn the light off. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's. You know that for for well for for a virile man like myself, as I was once, to have that taken away um, also messes with your head. Yeah, it it sort of questions your manhood. Mm. It does all of those sorts of things. It's quite yeah, it's quite bizarre. It's like you feel like you are, you know. Uh, almost lost your purpose in life. It's, uh, you know, if you take it back to basic elements, you know, we mm. just uh, uh, procreate and, uh, and die. And, and <laughs> die. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that function for me has been taken away. And yeah, so it feels like, well, that's, you know, your next stop for you is, you know, the pa- you're out in the pasture sort of thing. So, um, Again, I know that there's uh, there's a lot of help at the moment in that space, you know, both, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, medically. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm I'm positive that, that that'll that'll come back. So yeah, I'm sure. But I just I, I I've got to do the work. Um, I've got to bide the time. My body's got to heal. Yeah. And um, and so I need to focus on uh, you know other things, but but yeah, it is, it's it was a big part of my life, and and it's gone. It's it's uh, at this point in time, it's gone. So yeah. uh, hopefully, it will be back again. And Melissa, in your experience with patients who've had radiation, mm. like years down the track, what what kind of could they expect? Does their libido come back? Yeah, so often... Or hormone I've therapy yeah, combination? So usually the actual radiation on its own doesn't seem to have that much of an effect on the libido, but the hormone-lowering therapy definitely does. And so I found it's usually at least a year after the first... Yeah, uh, ...after the injection before I've noticed people get their mojo back, so to speak. Um, but in my experience, it usually does come back. But it Same, does need yeah. a bit of a, a rev up because it's kind of easy to get into the habit of not having sex, you know, or not being sexual and not thinking about it. So I think even when your hormones return to normal, you still need to kind of jolly it along a bit. Is that what, what you found, Jo? Yeah, and I even remember having an older chap. He was in his early 80s and he was so upset that he'd lost his mojo. Mm. And it was about 18 months for him. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think um, it's certainly something that you can look forward to, David, but it's you're, you're 100% right in that you'll need to be patient. And, and I just think it's a real blow. And I, I think time and time again, I, I know that people are told and it's in the literature, but it's a shock when it happens, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, nothing really 
nothing prepares you for it. That's mm. the that, that that that's the thing. You mm. you can be you know uh, informed of this, but uh, until it actually happens. Um, but you're right, Joe. That I, I now uh, it's 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 actually something I don't even think about. So yeah. it's not even yeah. I just get up and get on with my day and and yeah, that's yeah. It's so not you, even you're not actually missing it so much now because it's not in the forefront of your mind. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. So mm. uh, um, yeah. So but but it, when I say not missing it, it, it you know it's one of those pleasures of life yeah. and it's it's gone and and so you you think back about the the times when it was very pleasurable and 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 hope one day that you know you get an opportunity to uh you know to to uh, realize those pleasures again yeah so have you got anything else you wanted to ask today joe oh just the, the book taming oh, the yeah. tiger by uh professor Suzanne Chambers is has just recently been updated and it's basically a psychological sort of survivorship guide. Have you had any opportunity to come across her new book? No, not at all. We're going to give you a copy today and we're interviewing her soon. Fantastic. <laughs> I look forward to, to reading that actually. Yeah, the Prostate Cancer Foundation actually helped sponsor its um, publication and Professor Suzanne Chambers has been at the forefront of psychological counselling for probably for the last 15, 20 years, heavily involved with the Prostate Cancer Foundation as well. So it's a, a resource that uh, is very rich. Yeah, so we've, um, we're interviewing her on the 19th of April. So, But, yeah, it'd be great for you to read it and see what you think. It's a real, I think it's an excellent resource. And yeah. you can get it by going to the pcfa.org website. Yeah. Or I have some as well on my website if they want some. Oh, yeah, you yeah. do too. And I've got some in the office as well. But, yeah, they're a great book, so it's worth reading. So thank you, David, for coming today. Is there anything else you wanted, like a takeaway message you wanted to give anybody? No, not at all. Really just that I hope some of what I've said today, you know, resonates with, with others out there. Um, not just men, but... but uh, their partners as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really important for their partners to understand how someone in your situation is feeling, so they know how to help their partner. Yeah, I, I really do. I, it's yeah, it's yes. It at the time it's about the patient and that, but it's it's really really important for those people who, are, you know, in and around their partner, um, to to understand this stuff and so that they, you know, they can uh, get an idea about what they're going through and, and and help them the best way that, that, that they can that suits, you know, their situation because everyone's situation will be slightly different but yeah. I just hope that, yeah, something that I've said, you know, resonates and, and is helpful to to men and uh, and their support networks. Yeah, well, I know that there'll be lots of people happy to listen to the second instalment of your story because I get <laughs> asked about it so often. How about you, Joe? Have you got anything else to add yeah, today? Yeah, just that you better come back and see me and do a little bit of that extra pelvic floor <laughs> <laughs> um, reviewing. And just that, uh, you know, you have had a tricky time, but it's just so lovely to see you here with a big smile on your face. The listeners won't be able to see that, but uh, it's just nice to see you have climbed a mountain and you're, you're up there. I'm up there, yes. I just 
not sure how I'm going to get down at the moment. <laughs> yeah. All I keep thinking, the word just keeps popping into my head from today is resilience. So I think we need to call this episode Resilience. Sounds fair. Mr. Resilience. Yeah, Mr. Resilience. <laughs> so thank you so much, David, for coming in again and speaking with us. It was Go fantastic. My pleasure and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Lives inside me. It's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our program today. And we're pleased to let you know that we will be having weekly podcasts, not fortnightly, as originally proposed. And this is because of the popularity of our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I greatly appreciate it. What we'd really love you to do is share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit including any man in your life. Simply download off Spotify or subscribe to thepenisproject.org and then you'll get a weekly email of our newest releases. Also feel free to send us a review and this will greatly help in our ongoing ability to bring you new and fresh information as that's the way we build what comes next. We also have show notes attached and This gives a bit of a background into any additional resources or explanations of what we're talking about. Finally, it's my great pleasure to let you know that PROST, the exercise program which sponsors our podcast, is now available on a USB resource for any man diagnosed with prostate cancer, an exercise program. Clinicians can buy these as well as the everyday bloke. So feel free to check out prost.com.au. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. I learned to value each and every one Of those warm afternoons Boys on their bikes Shooting stones at each other through the trees Tried to deny the going down